0: might have had days where he didn't even think meeting that burning bush was the right move for him because it caused a lot of uncomfortable changes in his life. But you know what? He can look back on his life later and see the glory and the power and the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. So what happened with me? By 2003, 1999 to 2003, I had gone to the Assemblies of God School, Bethany Bible College, finished my degree, got a church ministries degree and was married, uh, engaged to a Christian woman that went to the Bible college as well, and became a credentialed and ordained minister. Looked back, who was I? That man that I used to be was gone, washed away by the blood of the Lamb in a sense with all that sin, and made new, hallelujah. What a wonderful testimony. So when Pastor Dave uh, called me, uh, we've been in Los Angeles for the last almost three years, Pastor David called me and said, uh, what does your Sunday look like? I went online and I found $27 flights. So my son and I flew in last night. Isn't that wonderful? $27. And on the way home, it's only $17. Amazing. That's cheaper than gas. So we flew in last night. We maintained our condo in Vegas all these years, too, but we flew in last night, and uh, it is a blessing to be here with you. Thank you for having us, and uh, we haven't been here in many years, and uh, I think before I moved to Los Angeles for the job, I'm in the watch business, or I was. I'll explain that in a moment, but I remember the big pulpit that used to be behind me right here. You remember that big monster? What happened to that thing? Your pulpits have dramatically decreased, but... uh, This is cool. Anyways, I'm very happy to be here. We're going to look at uh, Exodus 4 this morning. I'm reading from the NIV. My son's going to do the scripture for us this morning. Let's see if we can find that. uh, We had a microphone. Oh, good job. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see that good. But uh, we're going to look at Exodus 4, 1 through 17. Now, the title of the sermon is How... To trust. And in this sense, we're going to say how to trust the Lord and His leading. Be honest with me. Have you ever gone through something where you think, What is going on? I just heard some of these prayer requests we had this morning, and I would tell you many of what we heard this morning. I bet you some of those people had the same idea. What is going on? Have you ever had the idea, Lord, what are you up to? Am I the only one? Lord, what do you, what's going on? What are you up to? Because very often, like Moses, the Lord is leading. And we don't always understand where he's leading us. This morning, my son drove us here. Uh, he has his learner's permit. There were some things I told him to correct and on and on or get in this lane or that lane. He might not always understand why I'm asking him to do it, but I have a reason. Amen? Just like the Lord has a reason. Amen? So this morning... We're going to look at this, Exodus 4, 1-17, how to trust God and his leading. And the reason that I want us to talk about this is, tell me the truth. Do you always trust the Lord? Did Moses trust the Lord? As soon as he told him what he wanted him to do, he said, no, come on. Lord, please find someone else. And that's exactly, this is Moses' defining moment, is it not? This is what he'll be remembered most for throughout human history. And he's telling the Lord, find someone else. How to trust the Lord and his leading. So just really quickly before we read the scripture, this message is a good message for me. And I'll tell you why. Two and a half years in Los Angeles, Rolex president asked me to go down there. To meet the, uh, the CEO of a company that has stores running from Beverly Hills to Santa Monica. Recommended me for the position. And didn't just give me one store, but gave me two. Santa Monica and Century City, which is the one store in Los Angeles. I've worked with Rolex many years. Know it like the back of my hand. Know how to do the orders. Know how to do the clienteling. Know how to do the hiring. Know the whole thing. But let me tell you, what I wasn't prepared for was Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a unique place. It was very, uh, it's a very different place. It wasn't like my store that I ran for Mr. Wynn uh, here at the the hotel uh, on the Strip. And when I got there, so many challenges came at me. The riots. We all remember the riots. All my stores were attacked. Bullet casings in the windows, had to replace glass, uh, attacked the Santa Monica store, hammered it to death, and just cracked all the windows down there. Then not only that, then COVID hits, uh, and then all those issues with COVID kind of came into play. So many things came against me. Two times I'm standing in the store, and a 6.8 or a 7.3 earthquake hits, and, uh, and, and on and on it got, it just got tougher and tougher and tougher. And uh, the owner and I decided in May that uh, I would get back to Vegas. And uh, so I quit my job. And uh, all this time I've been maintaining our lease in Los Angeles at a disgusting price, I might add. Second most expensive place in the world. And of course at the time, so much had come and so much had been so difficult. Have you been there too? Some things were so difficult that I thought, this sounded so good when I first heard about it, and now that I'm here, I just cannot believe how challenging and difficult this season in my life is. And that's exactly what Moses went through. So this message is for you. It's also for me, because we need to learn to trust the Lord in a greater way. Amen. Little Ryan, would you uh, take care of Exodus 4 for us?
1: Test, test. Hello? Okay. Nice and loud, Ryan. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me, or listen to me, and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand, and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hands inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside of his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous, like snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored, like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you, or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, "Who Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or who makes him blind? It is not I the Lord. Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, What about your brother Aaron or Levite? Oh, Aaron the Levite, I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you. And it'll be as if your mouth, as, you were, if, as if you were God to Him. But pay, take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it.
0: What an interesting passage of Scripture, isn't it? Called by the Lord and so resistant. Lord, thank you for the reading of this word. Bless our lives because of it, Father. May we learn so much from this portion of Scripture to understand how to trust you more, how to trust your leading more, Lord God, how to truly be someone that can say to you, Yes, Lord, and understand and trust you in all your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I find this passage of Scripture extremely fascinating because it is Moses, and we think of him as such a big shot in Scripture. And uh, you almost wouldn't associate this with Moses when you think about him in general, because you think, this is the guy that would eventually lead the Jews right through the sea, get them into freedom, everything else, and he's trying to pass the job up. (laughs) He wouldn't even know one day Charlton Heston would be playing him one day in a movie. I mean, (laughs) Moses should be a big shot here, right? But he just doesn't see it. He doesn't see it yet. He doesn't see the fruit of what's going to come, of what the Lord wants done in this moment. So, of course, when I lost my position in L.A., and the reason why I quit was because I already knew what was coming. (laughs) And I told the owner, there's no need to go too far. I'll be happy to step down, sir, if you want someone more talented from this region that knows how to handle all these issues. Poor Moses didn't know how to handle all the issues when he was in charge of the Israelites either. It was a big pain, And and the Lord had to raise up people to help him out. I tried to raise up some assistant managers in Los Angeles, but uh, let me tell you, things were just very, very tough. But I'll tell you one thing. The thing that we take from this passage of Scripture is Moses had a big calling on his life, and we know that because the Lord was the one that came calling. You get calls all day long on your cell phone. I know you do. And could you imagine, you see the phone, and it says, The Lord, I got something I want you to do, and I am here to see you through it. But there were many days, as we read in Scripture, that Moses really probably wished that he didn't see that burning bush that day because that relationship would cause him to be in a lot of situations that were uncomfortable for him. And he tells Moses, You're going to be the one that will go in front of the Pharaoh of Egypt. (laughs) That's not an easy thing to do. There was one time I got a call at the store, and uh, at the the Wynn Rolex store, and uh, the voice uh, was Mr. Wynn's uh, personal assistant. Mr. Wynn wants you back at Villa 100. Now, I'll be honest with you, my heart sank a little bit. I'm used to seeing the gentleman because he's there, but on the other hand, I've never been invited to the kingdom back in Suite 100, and here I have to go and I have to present myself. And I thought, thats it's a little nerve-wracking. But it's part of the job. And in this case, what does the Lord tell Moses? You have to go before the Pharaoh. And in that case, you're only going to do one thing. You're going to tell him you want the Hebrews, the Israelites, to be free. And what did Moses say to all of this? He says, Who am I that I could even stand before the Pharaoh? Who am I to free anybody? Don't you know who I am, Lord? You know what basically he's saying? I'm nobody. Very often in life we feel that way, don't we? I don't feel that impressive. Have you ever had that idea? I don't feel like I'm that impressive. I had that feeling many times. The first time I had to give a a speech at the hotel, I thought, I don't know if I can speak in front of 60-some people, 120-some people. Let someone else do it. But that's what Moses says. Don't you know who I am, Lord? I'm like, nobody. But God knew that this was a moment for Moses that he raised him up for. That's the best part. God always has the big plan, and you got to love that. And Moses, he had a hard time trusting the Lord and what the Lord was telling him. And he couldn't see past how small he perceived himself. But aren't you glad that we serve a God that sees unlimited potential in us, even when we don't? Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. But I tell you this morning... There are many things that God will call you to in your life. You can hear him. All you have to do is listen. You can sense his spirit. All you have to do is perceive. Have the ears to hear. Have the eyes to see. God is calling all the time. And he's calling you for so many things, and I'll tell you, you were not called to liberate the Israelites today, that's okay, that was Moses' job, but find out what he's calling you to do, because I'm sure that he is calling you, there's a purpose for your life, no matter how hard it's been, and it's just as important as the life of Moses, what you have to do. Do you believe that? Even if it's reaching one person. I used to sing worship songs in the uh, bellagio valet garage when i was a young guy going through college i used to just listen to these worship songs echo in that big monster garage it touched the heart of one young man that i worked with in valet that needed to come back to the lord he said i've been asking for the lord to send me a sign and you're echoing worship music through this garage this is the moment i've been waiting for that young guy's on fire for the lord today jacob Loshaw, valet attendant at uh, bellagio You wouldn't guess the simplest things what the Lord would use. Even if you think yourself, like, well, who am I, Lord? You'll never be surprised how big he thinks you. He thinks you're the big shot. And that's just the truth. Amen. That's the God we serve. So not only did uh, Moses need to challenge himself to confront Pharaoh, but he needed to challenge himself to confront his own fears himself. And often in life, we can be incapacitated by fears. We can be our own breaks <laughs> when maybe we shouldn't be. God calls us to daily confront so many things our distrust of what He's asking us to do. He calls us to confront the sin in our lives, the temptations we have, things we need to change. I'm so glad I had things I needed to change. <laughs> Aren't you? I'm so glad. There were so many things the Lord pinpointed. This is going to be leaving your life. (laughs) This is going to be leaving your life too. I have better things for you, like I told you. Five years later, I looked back. I couldn't believe what the Lord had done. Look what the Lord has done. Good times. Hallelujah. He doesn't want us to have this question. Who am I, Lord? I'm nobody. He doesn't want us to have that. Are you sure I can do it, Lord? Who just said it? He did. God knows the purpose of our lives, and sometimes when he moves us closer to that purpose, we perceive it as a big mountain that's impossible. Very often. I've been to Switzerland. You know what they do when they see big mountains? They drill right through them. Doesn't stop them in a second. One of the most efficient train systems in the world, and one of the most mountainous regions, the Alps of all places, They'll just go right through it. How often do we need to just go right through it and say, I have the Lord. I don't care what that mountain looks like. I don't care how big it is. We just went to Tahoe. Those mountains, they look so imposing by the time you get close to them. But I tell you, there's always a way. You want to get up to that lake? There is a way, hallelujah. And God always makes a way. So it's time that we uh, understand our potential. What Moses learned. So the first thing I wanted to mention this morning is this. Something to take away from what we've read this morning. God does not ask us to go where he has not provided the strength, his strength, and resources to succeed. Do you believe that? God does not ask us to go where he has not provided the strength, his strength, and resources to succeed. I need to remember that more and more. I can Right now I'm trying to interview at so many places and I'm turning in my resume. But let me tell you, the one who has the biggest resume of all, the one who has the most impressive resume in the universe, the one whose resume is absolute perfection, what he said he would do has been done, and on and on and on. The biggest resume that you could ever see would be the Lord. He is trustful. He is faithful. He has not failed. He is amazing. So if you're going to follow anybody, he is the one. Amen. To Moses, though, the Lord seemed to be asking a lot of him. Some of us might have had that feeling before. And I mean, is he really to go before the country of Israel, who's held captive, and then he's just going to tell these guys out of nowhere, hey, by the way, the Lord sent me to save you. (laughs) He, he, he once again fills himself and his smallness. And what if they don't believe me, he asks the Lord. What if they won't listen to me? Don't you ever get tired of saying what if? What if is almost a hindrance, isn't it? There's so many times that we do that even. What if this? What if that? And we start thinking, what if, as a negative, what if you succeed? What if the Lord has already given you the victory? What if all you need to do is take that first step towards getting closer with God, getting closer towards a, a greater relationship with Him? What if there's so much more positive instead of what if something's going to go wrong? Sometimes that what if is the, is the biggest problem because what comes after is what, what will matter. What if they don't believe me? What if they won't listen? And then what did the Lord do? He turned his hand leprous <laughs> and then healed it immediately. And then what did he do a second time? He does. He turns the staff into a, a snake to show Moses that God has the power to send him and lead him to the Hebrews and get them out of Egypt. Get them that day. Moses had many fears and he worried that God's plan was too big for him. He worried that he was the wrong guy for the job that the Lord had him for. He was worried that the people wouldn't uh, respond favorably to him. Worry is such a bummer, isn't it? Don't you get tired of being stopped by worry? So many things we can worry about. Sometimes we're just like Moses, though, and when the Lord starts nudging our lives into new territories, new purposeful ways, we get hit with fear. You don't have to raise your hand, but I know there are people in this room that have had fear in their life for many, many years. So many things to be afraid of. And then when we get hit with fear, we build up in our minds anxiety. My assistant manager in Los Angeles, every once in a while, I'd see him sitting down doing some breathing exercises. Anxiety would hit him so quickly. And then when we're in that office, I'd just say, Lord God, I'd put my hand on Raphael and say, Lord God, remove this anxiety off your son. Raphael in the name of Christ Jesus. He is a son made in your image, made to be free, made to be victorious, made to be strengthened and powerful in Jesus' name. There's no room for anxiety or fear in his life. (laughs) We just rebuke it. And I'll tell you, sometimes that anxiety can cause panic. What might go wrong? Lord, this is too big for me. So many things coming against me. When I went to Bible college, it was very expensive. And I thought, how am I going to do this? But what was our sentence? The Lord will not ask us where to go where he has not provided his strength and his resources to succeed. Something miraculous happened at the Bellagio in those days I went to Bible college. Uh, The place I was working at decided to change the commission system to a pooled commission system. That means I would have more money in my pocket at that time. There was my tuition. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God does the impossible. He provides. There's a great calling in your life. Never forget that. Even if it seems impossible, as big as a mountain, you can drill right through it because of God's strength. Or you can t- tell it like Scripture says, out of my way in Jesus' name. How many mountains do you need to tell today? Get out of my way in Jesus' name. Be gone. Know that God's calling on your life also includes the resources that he's going to place into your life. The strength to accomplish it. He's the victorious one. That's why the uh, New Testament records these words. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens who? Me. Hallelujah. And I love it. He says, all things. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. So I urge you today, go where God is leading you. Has he been calling you? Anybody here, has he been calling you to something new in your life? He's not a God of anything rancid. He's not a God of anything stale. We know he's not a God of anything old. He's the God of all things new. Amen? My wife's birthday is today. But we celebrated it yesterday, and the waitress, we went to this nice Italian restaurant in Pasadena, and the, the waitress said, would you like a basket of bread? Now if that basket of bread came and it was something stale, or old, or flaky, or dry, that wouldn't be a good experience, would it? But you know when you go to a trustworthy place, you're going to get something fresh, hot, new, exciting, luscious, fluffy, and that's what we expected, and that's what you can expect from the Lord. You can have expectations that big on the Lord, because He's a God of all things new. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. So I urge you today, listen to His calling. Know that He is going to provide for you. And why can we trust the Lord? I thought about this. I wrote the question down, and I thought, why can I trust the Lord? And you know what came to my mind? Because I have a living promise. You've heard of promises before, but have you heard of a living promise? That is Christ Jesus. That is Christ Jesus. When I lost that job that day, sitting in that, uh, in that, uh, uh, that CEO's office in Beverly Hills, I almost said it, but I stopped myself. Because he was being so cool about it. But I thought if it gets a little bit rough, I'm going to stand up and say something right here. I, thought, I already thought it through. I'm going to say, sir, if all I have is Christ Jesus today, I'm the richest guy in Beverly Hills right now standing in your room losing this position. It's all right. If that's all I had, I'd be the richest here in all of these fancy hills up here. Hallelujah. Because I have a living promise. Christ Jesus that's why we can trust the Lord. Jesus is the ultimate promise. He is the rider on the white horse spoken of in Revelation. Hallelujah. His name is faithful. His name is true. He's the warrior that goes before us. Hallelujah. He's the victorious one. And he has the victory. Hallelujah. We're so grateful to have Jesus, aren't we? Our second uh, thing to mention this morning as our takeaway Consider this. In what we're reading, God has proven to use ordinary things for extraordinary purposes. He can take the ordinary and he can make it extraordinary. You know why the Jews ended up being the people that would represent the Lord to the world? He, he was the first one to go to that. Why would the Lord choose the Hebrews. He could have chosen the Indonesians. He could have chosen the Philippines. He could have chosen the Paiutes. The Lord could have chosen anybody he want. And I'll tell you a reason that I, I believe is true. He chooses, he didn't choose them because they were extraordinary, but that they would become extraordinary. He didn't choose them because they were the most impressive culture in the land or the most amazing culture in the land or anything like that. He takes things and makes them special. In other words, they would become special because of their relationship with the Lord. And that's the story of all of us. I'm nothing special. I became special. Why? Because I have a God who found me. Hallelujah. I have that living promise, that living hope. Hallelujah! The Lord could choose anything He wants. They were The, the, the Jews were one of the smallest people groups in that area. <laughs> You've heard of the Persians. You've heard of the Egyptians. There were some impressive cultures in that area. He could have picked any of them. One of the most scattered small people groups. And they became special. Very special. Hallelujah! And we get to be a part of that lineage. Hallelujah! Grafted in. Although it might not seem for much, one of the most interesting portions of Scripture of what we read today is that staff. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever had a walking staff? You ever go to Zion National Park and you grab yourself a stick or something like that? I think I've done it once. But you look for something. You look for a piece of wood. Great! I'm going to do some hiking today. But... Moses probably had this staff a long time. I imagine carved, a little curve at the top, probably about five feet long or so. You can use it for many things. Walking, protection, shepherding purposes. Maybe you've got to hit somebody with it. Who knows? Lots of purposes. But it was just a piece of wood. Am I wrong? It was just a piece of wood. But once that wood switched hands and owners, it went from Moses' hands Into the Lord's hands, something amazing happened. It went from Moses' use to God's use, and Moses could not imagine the power that his simple staff was displaying that day. (laughs) Butted. Whatever the Lord wants it to do, turn it to a snake. Whatever the Lord wants it to do, the power was there. God uses the ordinary things for extraordinary purposes. He used something so simple and something so common to teach a great lesson. He took the ordinary, made it extraordinary. And what are the ordinary things in your life? when you think about this, you could almost even ask the Lord, Lord, what are the things in my life that could be used for a greater, more extraordinary purpose? I started thinking about this myself. My brother and I, when we were young, we went to a music store. We got addicted. Anybody like music stores? I don't know how we decide. What instruments do you like? flute and sing. When we got in there, I don't know how we gravitated to, we'd never been around instruments. My brother went to the drums, I went to the electric guitars. My brother started doing this, and I was ready to... So, we didn't even really know how to play that well at the beginning, but we decided we were going to launch a Christian rock band. We originally named ourselves the Holy Rockers. We changed it to Iron Armor. We used our scriptures, uh, Ephesians 6. We had this whole thing going on. My dad started building us uh, like a drum riser. I would buy uh, those little smoke balls that you would get at 4th of July, and I'd light them up behind my brother's drums. We invested in lights. We were teenagers. We invested in chains. We had all this crazy lighting. We started getting costumes, and then once we were ready, we started launching concerts on our little street in the backyard. All the neighbors would start to line up on their like backyards and look over and here we are worshiping God, making up all of our own like Christian music, just doing something so simple. People started to come and I had a great idea. I think it was my idea. We need an offering basket. (laughs) So here we are, and we 're passing this offering basket, and we're doing little scriptures, and you know, just doing the whole thing, and we were just being young and fun, and uh, we would take the, that money and we would reinvest it into all of like our props and stuff, and then we started getting little gigs at churches. It was too funny. What are the ordinary things, the passions we have, that the Lord can use for greater and amazing purposes? There are some simple things in your life that can be fine tuned to amazing purposes. People like to carve, they like to build, they like to write. Some people are very eloquent in writing uh, words and letters. You can be an encourager. Sometimes you need to remember to be an encourager in a greater way. My son's driving right now, I have to remind myself to tell him, you're doing a great job. I could sit there and just be quiet the whole time while he's driving, but I tell myself, ah, do not forget to encourage. Do not forget to say wonderful words great job you're staying in the line so well you stopped so great right there there's so many things we can do in in amazing something so simple and make it so much better are you organized stewarding of uh, finances record keeping so many things flutes singing so many things that can be used for god's purpose and this is what we learned from moses and God wants to use our talents for these extraordinary purposes. So never hinder what the Lord wants to do in your life. What did Moses do? He tried to hinder the Lord. And what does it say in Scripture? This even surprised my son. The Lord got angry. <laughs> my son said, Does he get angry? I said, What did it say? <laughs> did it say he got, a- he got angry? Why? Moses is trying to put the brakes on what the Lord wants to do. Better realize the contribution that you can make through your gifts and just say to the Lord simply, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I say go where he leads. I wrote this down this morning. God uses ordinary people for extraordinary purposes and may this all be the story of our lives. May he take what he finds in us and make it amazing. I spent many years in jewelry. I can tell you, When you find one one of the, I think the 20th largest diamond uh, in the world was found recently uh, in South Africa. If you were to see a 200, 300, 600 carat rough diamond, you probably wouldn't even recognize it. It's not that pretty to look at. It has a skin on it. It's not showing any shine. It's not showing any polish. You can barely look inside of it. It has a skin on it, so it's hiding a lot. But if you were to find something like a diamond that could be fit in your hand, and I have seen some of them. There's a 600-carat one that Mr. Graff had uh, found in a little uh, kingdom in, around South Africa. But when you see it, it's not that impressive. The only thing that makes that diamond impressive is when the master gets a hold of it and starts cutting. What does the Lord do with our life? He gets us, and he begins to cut out of our lives the flaws, the clarity issues that need to be perfected. And only in the hand of the master craftsman will you begin to see that fire, that scintillation, that beautiful brilliance that comes out of those stones. Other than that, it's just hiding and they're waiting to be found. Aren't you so glad to be found in the hand of the master craftsman, the Lord? Aren't you so glad? So I tell you today, God helps us overcome our inadequacies. That's our last this morning. God helps us overcome our inadequacies. Have you felt inadequate? Have you felt inadequate before? Sometimes it hits us. We're sometimes our almost, our worst, uh, what would you call it? Uh, I can't even think of the word all of a sudden. Our own critic. We can be our own worst critic. We can be the toughest on ourselves. Moses had seen all that the Lord had done. He still begged God not to send him. But I love what he tells the Lord. He says, I'm not an eloquent speaker. He just used an eloquent word. (laughs) I'm not an eloquent speaker. I've never been a good speaker. In fact, my speech is slow. It's not that good. Once again, Moses was hit with fear. And how many times has that happened to us? We do it all the time. I recall the time Pastor David Childers asked me to lead a, a young gentleman to the Lord. It was the first time I'd been asked to do that. And I thought, oh my goodness, what if I say the wrong words? What if what if, what if, one day he gets to the pearly gates and they say, I'm sorry, you prayed that prayer with Pastor Ryan, but you kind of missed one word and now you can't get in. I, I used to think about all these things. What if what if I mess this guy's life up? I mean, what if I don't say the right concoction of words? It's almost like a. I was looking at it like a lock, you know, and I've got to get the right combination i got to make sure the right words are in there. I got so nervous. I can associate with Moses. You do it, Pastor Dave. <laughs> I'm not there yet. And what did God say to Moses? He says, who gives man his mouth? You have to love it when the potter tells the pottery, don't forget who I am. Who gave man his mouth? Is it not I? Now go and I will help you speak. And That's what we have to remember. I will help you. Moses was afraid that he would embarrass both the Lord and himself. And I can understand that. But God did not look at Moses' problem the same way that Moses did. Moses needed a little help. But God would provide the speech. He would provide what Moses needed. And he asked Moses to do something. He asked him to help him get that job done. And the, true, the same is the truth for us. There's so much we can get done with the Lord's help. It's easy to focus on weakness, but we're not here to focus on weakness. We're here to focus on Christ Jesus. That is where our strength lies. There's so many times we need to point our lives back to the Lord. But if you have a God like ours, there's no need to fo- focus on weakness ever because our God is all strength. He's all power. He's all victory. Hallelujah. He says, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you. And that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. That's also in Exodus. I raised you up. Aren't you glad that we have a God who does something so amazing like that? Gives us power, gives us strength to overcome all of our inadequacies. And we say, but Lord, I'm a sinner still. I'm not there yet. Why don't we wait a little bit? There's no waiting. Just like Pastor Dave told me, keep coming, young man. Keep coming, young man. But uh, Pastor Dave, you don't know about the sin. Keep coming, young man. Give the Lord your life and you'll see the difference. Keep coming, young man. What can I possibly do for you, Lord? God says, I make sinners into saints. But Lord, I'm too weak. Temptation comes against me all the time. I can't give you my best. He says, I'll strengthen you through my spirit. He who began a good work in you will see it to completion. Hallelujah. So ask the Holy Spirit to expose those areas in your life where you feel inadequate and it's time to cut it out. Hallelujah. Pray for the awesome power of God. So as we conclude this morning, I just wanted to finish with one of my favorite uh, Disney stories. We had Disney passes, annual passes, until COVID hit. It's a bummer spending all that money on a family pass, and then uh, we were there like four, four days a week. And uh, then we got booted because of COVID. But I'll tell you, one of the greatest stories uh, that I've always enjoyed is Pinocchio. Anybody else like Pinocchio? It's a cool story. Pinocchio's cool. There's a sculptor. He has a wood shop. He's going to make a boy out of wood. And then there's like this blue fairy. And uh, she can bring uh, Pinocchio to life. And he wants to be a, a real boy. He has to prove himself. He has to be good. He has to be faithful. He has to be a true uh, person, true hearted. And he'll become a real boy. And he begins to live for this hope. I want to be a real boy. He's a very trusting uh, puppet, isn't he? Almost to a fault. He's so willing, so obedient to follow his maker, Geppetto, anywhere. He trusts the woodmaker. He loves the woodmaker. But soon he's tempted. He's tempted away from the security of that workshop and he wanders off. Have you ever wandered off? He wanders off. And uh, his creator, Geppetto, is devastated. And he'll stop at nothing to get him back. He'll stop at nothing. And in the end, something happens, and Pinocchio lays down his life for his father. Bless you. Pinocchio lays down his life for his father, Geppetto, and uh, the bravery and the courage, uh, he's revived, and then Pinocchio is made into a real boy. He trusted in a great hope, And his good heart led him home in that story. C.S. Lewis, if you like reading uh, this gentleman, he puts it this way. He says, that story of Pinocchio is precisely what Christianity is about. This world is a great sculptor shop and we are the statues and there's a rumor going around the shop that some of us someday are going to come to life. (laughs) Hallelujah. Life in Jesus is the sweetest, amen. Life in Christ Jesus. It's time for us to trust the sculptor. Hallelujah. You know, there's so many things to look forward to, even like that beautiful... I've never been to Italy, but I could just imagine when Michelangelo was chiseling out that statue of David. What if he did the eyes first and that statue could say, hey, you're doing a good job. You're sculpting me pretty darn well. And that's exactly how we should look at the Lord. Made alive because because of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's time to trust. And you can trust because He is trustworthy. And His name is truth. Don't forget that. With everything we have, our lives, our plans, our dreams, His leading is always the best thing that you could ever have in your life. Amen. Pray for this daily. Lord, let me trust You. Let me believe You. Let me know I have the strength to go where You've asked me to go. Let me believe in all these things and put my distrust aside. Trust Him for all of your days. He will give you the resources and the strength. He will use your ordinary life, whatever it might be, for extraordinary purposes, only to be found and made special in Him. Hallelujah. And never forget, you're in the kingdom. Amen? Let's just stand and pray. Father, we thank You for this wonderful scripture on Moses and what you did in his life. Lord, we thank you so much that we can come to you this day and say, Lord, we repent. We repent of not trusting you more. Forgive us, Lord God. But no matter what we're going through, and you heard the prayers, Lord, uh, the prayer requests earlier this morning, those are just the prayer requests, Father, that were brought to this podium. What about the prayer requests that are in the hearts of those sitting here and standing here this day, Lord, that haven't been uttered? You know these requests, Lord God. And Father, it's ours to remember that we have a God who is able and we lay those requests and we lay everything that you have for us, Lord God, and our trust that needs to be in you in a greater way and say, yes, Lord, where you go, excuse me, where you lead, I will go. Where you request, I will follow, Lord. Father, remove distrust out of our hearts and let us trust in you in a massive way. In Jesus' mighty name. And Father, as we leave this day, we will remember that you will not ask us to go where you have not provided the way, the strength, the resources, everything to succeed. And Father, we also remember that you do use ordinary things for extraordinary purposes And Father, we also recognize this day that God helps us. You help us, Lord, overcome our inadequacies because we are found in you. Father, bless your people this day and bless this church. And Father, once you uh, get my family situated back here in southern Nevada, Lord, may we see your people here in this church more often in Jesus' name because it is power and strength the believers of Christ Jesus. We are meant to be together in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We hold this up to you. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.